welcome back to another episode of Life in Progress. I'm your host, Lindsay Field, and this week I sit down with my good friend, Lauren Renfro. Lauren and I spent some time talking about what it means to wrestle with your own identity, the importance of community, and how community can help you in the wrestling. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Do you want to just give us a quick rundown of who you are? <laughs> that is a loaded question, Lindsay. Yes, it is. Um, I'm sure you'll like handle it say well. my name or anything. Yeah, go okay. ahead and say your name. So I'm Lauren. I went to Northeastern and was part of Sojourn there. Yeah, um, you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. This is going great. Um, um, I don't know. I am currently fun employed, mm-hmm. which means that I get to do stuff like this without worrying about work the next morning. Wonderful. Um, so that's a plus. <laughs> um, just got our puppy yesterday. Wonderful. Which is a little stressful, but you know, we're, we're thriving. I feel like you could take any situation and be like, somehow be like a little bit stressful. Uh, (laughs) You know, life in general is just a little bit stressful. If you're living it right, it's always a little stressful. You, you know who you are. You are worry from inside out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, that's probably fairly accurate. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you were a student with Sojourn, Sojourn Northeastern for five years. Yeah. yeah. I got bonked on the head with a beach ball first fall fest. That never happens, Lauren. We don't throw beach balls at people well, not anymore. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No. Joined and never looked back and probably. Wish you would have. No. <laughs> okay, no. That's the right for answer. For sure not. <laughs> but yeah. So one of the things that then you may know, may not, depends on how good of a job I did communicating these things to you, Um, but that uh, we have different values at Sojourn. Oh, really? We do. Tell me more. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And this podcast is really about communicating what those values look like in the day-to-day life, especially post-college, because they can be really great to talk about or look at on paper, but what does it mean to live those things? And so uh, the value that we're going to talk about today is this idea that we are better together, which... So fun. (laughs) So excited. Which, whenever I say that, I always think of the uh, Gunger song, We Are Better Together, Mm. and I just can't help but, like, sing it in my head. Um, I won't play it here because I don't have the rights to that music, (laughs) but you should look it up. It's a great song. Um, Link in the description. (laughs) Yeah, link in the description. Um, But yeah, so if I bob my head every time we talk about it, listeners won't see it, but... uh, You'll know what's happening. Yeah, just picture that. Yeah, just this idea of better together, that everyone has a voice at the table, that we can learn things from those voices, even if they disagree with us. Mm Mm-hmm. Or if they agree with us, we can still learn something from it. Um, So, yeah, that's really what we're here to talk about today, this idea of better together. Uh, But as we start that, the kind of the beginning question I've been asking everybody is Sojourn's mission statement is um, helping students discover God's dream for their lives. And as we know that discovering of God's dream doesn't end when you're no longer a student. Surprise, surprise, everyone. (laughs) Welcome to adulting. (laughs) 
nothing is ever as he thought it was. Um, but that it, it keeps going mm-hmm. and we keep discovering what that dream is. And so the first question I have for you is when you hear that phrase, discovering God's dream for your life, like what does that mean to you? Um, I think of my own experience with sojourn specifically, um, Cause I think certainly like if it weren't for sojourn being in my life through college, like I don't think a, I would be the person that I am now, um, probably wouldn't have the faith or depth that I have now. Um, and there's, you know, quite a possible reality that, um, you know, I may not no longer have been here, um, to be talking because I had a very, very strong depressive situation after freshman year where, um, just realized that, you know, there's something different about me and, you know, had a lot of repressed feelings. I'm just going to monologue right now. Tell everyone my life story. It's great. Wonderful. Um, (laughs) I think I've had enough whiskey for a tour. (laughs) I can give you more. Awesome. (laughs) Um, but I think when I think about, you know, discovering God's dream for my life, you know, up until freshman year, it looked like one thing, um, coming from, a church, you know, growing up in the church, kind of knowing all of the things about the Bible and memorizing scripture and everything. And I really value kind of that growing up um, in that space because I think it's it was a good foundation. But I think it was just I didn't have the space or the language to ask the questions that I needed to ask or um, to really challenge ideas. Um so coming to college, freshman year, you know, you're in a new place, you know, I'm 3,000 miles away from home and having Sojourn there was incredibly valuable because I knew that I had a community um, that I could trust and that I could lean on and lean into. Um, so when I came out, um, I don't know, right after freshman year, beginning of sophomore year, there was a couple of conversations that I had with you, Lindsay, um, <laughs> right off the bat, Lindsay and poor Lindsay had the <laughs> first conversation. <laughs> we ever had yeah um but just discovering that god's dream for my life didn't look like what i had assumed or what i had imagined for 18 or 19 years um and coming to terms with that was incredibly challenging um because you know that's what you grow up with. That's, you know, you have all these expectations for, all right, graduate high school, go to university, get a job, you know, start dating someone, you get married, have kids. And, you know, that is what sometimes you're told life is supposed to be about. I was going to say start the cycle over again, but then I realized that didn't really fit to that analogy. So... I refrain from saying it. (laughs) Well done. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, like, the discovering God's dream for your life, um, I think it's an incredibly personal Mm -hmm. uh, challenge, incredibly personal adventure, and I think, like, Sojourn has the privilege to be on that journey with students, um, to be able to partner with them and support them and help them in the ways that they need, Um, and I owe a great debt of gratitude to sojourn for kind of setting that standard and kind of imbuing my freshman year so that I had that foundation to then come back sophomore year and say my life turned upside down what what do I do now so that's that's what it means to me (laughs) 
there's so many things that I want to dig into there. Um, but you had mentioned kind of this dark space you were in coming out of freshman year. So I don't really want to ask what that looked or felt like for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess the question is, how were you able to pull yourself out of that? Or, and maybe part of that question too is, um, how did you recognize that you were in this place and then what steps did you take to pull your, right. to pull yourself out? I was able to recognize it at a point where I was living off campus at the time and just had a lot of time to myself to think, a lot of time alone to just kind of sit in that space of not knowing really what the future looked like and not really knowing what was happening, where I was going. And then I was reading a blog online and they used language that I hadn't seen before. Um, So they talked about like bisexuality and that kind of thing. And that gave me language to kind of start saying, okay, so maybe there's something here that I don't quite know enough about. Like, let me dig into that. Um, So kind of going through the secular websites, I don't know. Those were air quotes uh, (laughs) for all of our audio listeners out there. Um, So having that language and discovering kind of that um, kind of ocean and wealth of knowledge Mm -hmm. about something that I hadn't really thought to ask about before um, was really helpful in identifying, okay, it is not just you know, me feeling something that's out of the blue. Or that you're going crazy. Right. Um, And, you know, everyone's coming out stories are different. It's all very, you know, person to person. Um, And it definitely wasn't a situation where, you know, oh, I've known forever that I was different. It was more of identifying, okay, there's a couple of things that are going on. I wonder, like, is this a trend? You know, is there stuff that I haven't thought about or like looking back at life experiences and saying, huh, so maybe that's what's actually what was was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, So being able to identify with language, I think, was really valuable and having the words to say what I was feeling and like what kind of to do from there. And that I think was the first step in getting out of that mental space Mm -hmm. of everything's crashing down around me. I don't know what's going on. You know, have I lost my mind? Um, you know, no one's going to ever be friends with me anymore. Um, and so I think words are an incredibly powerful tool to help us find what we're looking for, um, and to communicate those emotions or feelings in a way that, you know, maybe we hadn't thought about before. Um, whether it be like reading books, listening to podcasts, um, you know, talking to other people who, you know, maybe you don't know about their experience, but even just taking the time to say like, Hey, like candid moment, this is how I'm feeling. You know, can we talk about it? Right. What's interesting about that too, is like turning to the internet. Um, because depression can be, well, is not can be, but is a very isolating thing. You and I have both experienced major depressive moments and it's incredibly isolating. Mm -hmm. Um, and the voices in your head start telling you lies like for you, I'm the only one Mm -hmm. like this. There's something wrong with me, but for everybody going through that, it's kind of like nobody else understands whatever the problem is. Um, 
and is very isolating. So what I hear in you reading those blogs and stuff is in a weird way, like still remaining solo, mm-hmm. but seeking community mm-hmm. of For people sure. who have experienced at the time you didn't know what it was but, right. but something um, would you say that that was that that's an accurate yeah so it was I listened you know I was like on YouTube I was doing homework or whatever and this song came up on the YouTube rotation and it was Haley Kiyoko's Girls Like Girls and it just it hit me in a different way hmm. where I was able to identify holy crap, like this video is showing a very similar experience to what I've had. And, you know, then going from there and looking into, you know, who Haley Kiyoko is, you know, she's a queer woman of color who is producing music that talks about having these queer Mm -hmm. experiences and then kind of going from there. And she talks about queerness and bisexuality and like being your own self and living your truth and things like that. Um, And kind of reaching into that community gave me that point at which I could say, okay, like let's explore this topic a little further. Let's see what this is about. Mm -hmm. So in a way, yeah, it's reaching out for community online without having to kind of take that leap in kind of, you know, a face-to-face context. It was a, it was a soft step. It was yeah. a safe place because if people online rejected you, mm-hmm. in some ways it's not that big of a deal, right? right? Like these are people you don't know, you have mm-hmm. no contact with, if they're disagreeing with you, who you really just cares? kind of pulled out of the right. space. Uh, because then I, I also remember you had mentioned you and I having conversations not too long after that. If this happened in the summer and then you and I started talking in the fall, mm-hmm. uh, one of the biggest concerns that you had in coming to me was, do I still have a place in this community? Right. Will my friends <laughs> still love me and yeah. accept me? Um, which... <laughs> is a heartbreaking thing, <laughs> you know, but a very legitimate question, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know. Did, can you talk about that? Those thoughts or experiences at all? Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I don't remember a whole lot from those <laughs> few years. It's very blurry. We all um, tend to block out trauma. So it's just like, like I remember sitting in a cabin, just like crying and Lindsay's on the other side, just going, what is going on? Well, the funny part about that is like 20 minutes after you left a different student came in and we didn't have that conversation but a similar experience of like sitting in this cabin and this person's crying yeah well you know this is just my life so whatever welcome to student ministry enjoy your stay life of a campus minister i think that was like year two or something for me oh Oh, this is it this is what i do now I think I just saw you and was like, oh, it's, you know, it's a woman who is also a campus minister. Like, I love you, Dustin, but I need to have, like, some feminine energy that I can just be yeah. like, look, this is what's going on. Yeah. Um, so, I don't remember what we were talking about. <laughs> oh, I think we were talking about my two biggest concerns, like yeah, whether yeah. Yeah, I had community. a spot mm-hmm. in the Sojourn community and whether my friends would still like me. Yeah. Well, and I think... To me, I also read that as, yes, the Sojourn community, but I think the underlying question was all of community, like, you know, acceptance. Sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, 
having those two biggest concerns I, is probably a product of growing up in the church where, you know, queerness is not really encouraged mm-hmm. for most people. But I think it was really just, you know, my family is very accepting. And for that, like, I am beyond the moon grateful. But it's also just, you know, a big question mark of like, is this is this going to be OK? You know, yeah. how are people going to react? Because you just you have no idea. And, you know, I thank the Lord that, you know, the world is mostly turning towards acceptance um, and, you know, affirmation and everything like that. Um, But in that moment, all I could worry about was like, I had been offered to be part of the leadership team by, you know, Sam and Yisu and Roberta. And I was like, I don't want to disappoint them. Is this fact about me going to fundamentally, fundamentally change how they feel about me and how they feel about my qualifications for leadership? Um, So I think I was just really concerned about letting people down and, you know, changing the way that they thought about me. Um, And as for the friendship stuff. I think I was just worried about like, you know, I, it's just the big question mark of how are people going to react? Like if you tell them, cause it's not something that you go around, like when you're becoming friends with people, it's like, okay, hey, can you what? check off all of these things that you're okay or not okay with? Right. Just in case anything happens in the future. So it's, you know, people that you really want to be friends with, that you have a genuine connection with that then this whole shift in who you are, how you identify change happens. And then you come out of it. You're like, am I still the same person? Are they still going to like me for the same things? And what did you find? Um, I, to my very, very big surprise, people were very happy to accept me. And, um, you know, I was in Rachel's wedding a few, you know, whatever, a month ago, maybe a little longer, which... I think it's just a testament to those conversations that you continue to have and, you know, you continue to stay friends. Um, and if the foundation of a friendship is genuine, then it can withstand a lot of change and a lot of, um, you know, just growing, I guess. Um, and I think for sojourn, I mean, I, vaguely remember what you said but you the general vibe was just like well of course there's a place for you like of course you can still be a leader like Mm -hmm. you being queer doesn't change that doesn't change your qualifications doesn't change your ability it just means that you have another facet that we get to see um which i think was exactly what i needed to hear at the moment Mm -hmm. um and definitely kind of altered my approach to relationships and community going forward. Yeah. So going through this process, being worried about not being a part of the community or somehow being rejected from the community. Mm-hmm. How do you think you, not just going through this process, but inviting others into this process with you. So talking to your friends about it, working Mm -hmm. through issues, being open with your friends and your community. How do you, do you think at all that that helped them move forward in the conversation? I would like to hope so, or I would like to think that it did. Um, I think there's a difference between knowing in theory, like someone who's outside of the expected norm or, you know, someone from a minority group. Um, But I think it's a very different experience, you know, having someone who would be directly impacted by hatred or discrimination or any of those things. So exclusion, exclusion, right? Like any of those things that are used to maintain 
the supremacy of the expected norm, um, I think are very cerebral to people who haven't a thought about it, mm. like haven't really considered that it could be impacting people's daily lives. So I think, or I would hope that knowing someone and having someone that they could come to to say like, Hey, like, I don't really know how to ask this question, but it's like saying this word bad or, you know, for, okay. So example, the word queer, it used to be a slur that, you know, right. was really frowned upon. You weren't supposed to use it. And a lot of people still don't like the term. Um, but I think the younger generation has kind of reclaimed that word to say like, you know, queer, it has a very like political undertone to it a lot of times, um, saying the queer community. Um, I use it generally as like an overarching identity because, you know, sometimes bisexuality is a good word for it. And then sometimes I'm like, I like the word queer today. But people have asked me, like friends have asked me like, well, I thought the word queer like wasn't an okay word to use. Like what's, what's up with that? So I think having someone that they know is a safe person. I've told them like, if you have questions, like I will answer them to the best of my ability, or I will be happy to direct you to a resource or a book yeah. or someone else. You've that done I that know. for me. Right. So it's, I think valuable to know other voices and because I think it just expands your ability to ask questions without forcing other people to do a lot of unpaid labor around the topics. So if we're like having dinner with a friend, like I'm happy to say like, yeah, like X, Y, and Z, like this is why this is the way it is. But like having, I lost my train of thought. Um, Happens to me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I just left the station without yeah. me. No, but I think just in general, it's very valuable to have someone that you can go to that you trust, someone who's willing to answer the questions without making you feel dumb or like you're being ridiculous. Because I think a lot of times that's how someone will feel like, oh, I really want to ask this question, but I feel like, you know, they're going to think it's offensive or that's going to be yeah. weird or like I'm not really sure how to ask the question. Well, I know for me, one of the things when they're talking to, queer friends or uh, friends of color is I don't I don't want to lean on you to give me the answers mm -hmm. you know I don't want to use you as uh, a Wikipedia right uh, you know a Google mm -hmm. hey Lauren you're right. my queer friend like what's yeah. going on so I think for those of us who are you know heteronormative or white or whatever the majority system is mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it's not even ignorance but it's a knowledgeable intentional not asking because I don't want you to feel like mm. that you're just having to educate another person right um and, that, and that's a hard balance too. Mm. like you have been very open and, and honest and like hey come to me right but I'm also not going to come to you every single right. time I have a question you know <laughs> <For sure>. um, <laughs> like setting boundaries is good yeah exactly it's very healthy <laughs> exactly <laughs> if you text me at two in the morning you probably won't answer but like if we're having a conversation happy to answer right you know or if it's something serious or something I'm really worried about I can be yeah. like hey Lauren like I've definitely um, called you up or texted you or been like you know Hey, I know somebody going through this. Mm -hmm. They're asking me these questions. Like, what are some good resources I can give? Because I know you in particular, you've read every book, you've read every study, you know all the things, you've you have asked all the questions. Mm -hmm for your own personal journey. Mm -hmm. So I use you as a resource that way. Right. Like I personally haven't been through the journey that you have been through. Mm -hmm. This person is going through that journey. How can we help them? Yeah. How can I help them without 
outing them to you. So I'm going to use you as the third party to go through me. Yeah. <laughs> it's this weird little triangle, but it works. It works, <laughs> you know? And because I've done all of that work already, I, I want to make that story easier for whoever is mm. coming behind me. I think yeah. it's a conversation that I've had with a couple of people where they're just like, well, how can you come out of that and not just be weary and downtrodden about yeah. just the roughness that happens through that. And I remember thinking distinctly, like, my story is going to help someone someday. Someone behind me will be coming down a very similar path. And me having gone through it already, gone through the pain of asking the questions, that is going to help someone else be less afraid of what lies ahead. They're going to be able to have someone who's done it already. Um, because I think, you know, we look to a lot of like celebrities or people that are in the public eye of saying like, you know, like Ellen came out and she was, you know, it was huge. And yeah. more and more people started coming out because there was this bigger acceptance. It, eventually, obviously, there's right. a little, little downtime in between that. But I think having someone else who's already done something mm. gives you the confidence to say, okay, if they've done it, I can do it. I can push through. And I think it's just a really hopeful thing. So another wonderful podcast that I listened to, mm. um, is Revisionist History by Malcolm Gladwell. I think you've told me about this one before. Probably. I <laughs> love this podcast. And uh, there's one episode um, where he's, he's actually talking about race. Mm -hmm. um, but he makes this comment of being the first and the only mm -hmm. to do something that looks like you look like. So right. color, gender, uh sexual identity, uh, whatever. Right. Um, the list goes on, but to be the first and the only to do something is incredibly lonely. Mm -hmm. And so the question kind of becomes, are you going to do this thing and then hold the door open for the people behind you? Right. Or are you going to close the door? Mm, interesting question. And not let those people up. And right. So I think what you were describing to me sounds like you're doing your best to hold that door open. Um, and the longer you hold it open, the more people that come through that door, then you no longer need to hold it. By myself. By yourself. Right. Yeah. And the people that continue to come through the door don't have to bear the weight mm -hmm. of that door. And For sure. Um, yeah. I just think it's really important that whatever these things that we are doing, wherever people find themselves as being kind of the pioneer of that thing, mm -hmm. that we make sure that we hold the door open for the people behind us. Certainly. And so whether that's, I think kind of in our generation right now and the generations to follow us, it's um, even in the workforce, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you're not just getting the, you're not working 80 hours a week to make the money to live the American dream. Right. But you're actually trying to find something that gives your life fulfillment. Yeah. But you know, like, whereas our parents or grandparents that it was really, you need to get a job and you need to be working as much as you possibly can. And you need to buy a house and have 2.5 kids and, <laughs> you know, all these things. And then maybe our generation, generations below us are saying, well, yeah, but what about maybe doing something that brings me life, mm -hmm. brings me fulfillment, right? And allows me to be the partner, the spouse, the parent, the employee mm -hmm. that these spaces I exist within deserve. Um, True. And uh, probably my generation 
so I'm a little bit older than you. Just a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Um, That gap is widening more and more as I work with students. Uh, (laughs) But I'd probably say my generation was kind of that first, maybe the one above me, but like that first to say like, mom. Is this really all there is? Right. Is this all there is? And um, the first people to do that took a lot of flack for that. And I know that obviously in the year 2000, that wasn't the first time somebody (laughs) said, I want to do something that gives my life meaning. Mm -hmm. But um, I guess the first time that a large number of people Mm -hmm. did. And um, even from a faith perspective, right? Like if you come from a family of a different faith background or no faith background or maybe more liberal or more strict Mm -hmm. faith background and you choose to go a different way, that's a really hard thing to do. Um, And so, yeah, I think, again, what you were talking about is making sure that the people who follow behind you don't have to feel that loneliness and that that struggle. Yeah. um, Moving forward. Uh, So in light of all that, like, what would you say in your mind is the importance of community? I mean, I think... Community is a a key thing for people to thrive. You need a people around you to support you, uh, to celebrate with you, to lift you up when you're down, to sit with you in moments of despair. I think it's vital to the way that we interact with the world, Um, whether it's your, you know, chosen community, whether it's your birth family, you know, whether whatever community you are in, um, as long as it is both loving you where you are, but also challenging you to be better. I Mm. think there's that dichotomy of, you know, you don't want to be like too comfortable where you're just stagnant. Um, right. But you, you still need to be loved and accepted and to have that safe place to go to, um, you know, after a hard day to say, like, I am really struggling today. Like, I need you to pray for me or I need X, Y or Z to support um, what I'm going through. Or in those moments of like, I got a job. It's my dream job. Yeah. Or, you know, we got engaged. Like, mm-hmm having that group of people around you to celebrate those moments makes them infinitely more treasured. Um, And I think, yeah, just having that support is key to the way that we grow in the world, the way that we interact with other people. So, you know, if you have a really rough coworker that you just, you don't like interacting with, like you can love them better um, and kind of be a better coworker to them because you have that support from behind you that you can lean into. Um, And yeah, that's (laughs) super clarified ending there. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's interesting because you mentioned like a community that loves you and is a safe place and stuff. And Mm -hmm. I think what strikes me about that, because you also said a community that pushes you Mm -hmm. to not be stagnant and to grow because sometimes the most loving thing we can do is to tell somebody that they're wrong or, you know, that like, this is not a good place for you to be in right now or, Mm -hmm. or whatnot, you know, um, that, yeah, that not just just call somebody out or like be rude about it or mean about it. 
about it, but to say like the place you're in is not healthy or you are stagnant, you're mm-hmm. not moving. And, uh, or I think the way you are living your life is not a good way to live your life. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you're doing damage to yourself or damage to the people around you. And, right. um, cause I think sometimes we get this idea in our head that to be loved is essentially to be told you're right all the time. Mm-hmm. Like if you unquestioned, unquestioned, that's a perfect way of saying it. You know, like if you love me, you'll agree with me. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll share the same opinions. We'll do all the things the same and you will never push back <laughs> against me or what I want or my happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, which I have a lot of thoughts on why happiness is not something that we should be chasing, but that's <laughs> for another conversation. Um, the answer is joy. Joy is what we should be chasing. Oh, that's what I was thinking. What yes. sparks joy? Joy. Um, is that copyrighted by Marie Kondo? I'm not sure if it is. I'm sorry. TM uh, Marie Kondo. Um, no, but that I think, yeah, I think we have sometimes it in our head that, that, that love looks like agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, hot take. It doesn't necessarily. Exactly. Hot take. I think that that's actually a very immature way of looking at mm-hmm. the world is, um, that the only way to show love or the truest way to show love is to agree with somebody. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I look at, you know, the life of Jesus and he's calling people out left and right, <laughs> you know, he's like, you guys are all idiots and you've all missed the point. You're all doing it wrong. Um, and at the same time, like, he loves all of them and that's why he's calling them out. Right. So, yeah, I think not only is community something we are created to be a part of. Yeah, definitely. But there is a big difference between homogenous community and diverse community. Mm -hmm. And diverse community, to me, is the way we were created. The the original intention. So, yeah, how have you seen that? Either how have you seen the benefits or the good things about diverse community or the the negative side of homogenous mm-hmm. community or even I guess maybe if you haven't experienced those things like just your thoughts mm-hmm. on that um it's gonna be fun to edit that question yeah to something comprehensible right. but go ahead <laughs> I both that question brings up two things I think I was thinking about so one one of the things is a paper that I wrote um might have been my capstone might have been a different <laughs> Sorry, paper. that's just a very Lauren thing <laughs> I'm not trying to be like the staunchy professor in a paper that I wrote <laughs> no but it, for anybody who knows Lauren it's like oh yeah of course <laughs> Of course, it would bring up a paper idea. A paper idea, or like when I watched this, uh, you know, French documentary. Uh, oh, is he just calling me out left and right? You're just missing the pipe and the elbow patches, really. Uh, I love you, Lauren. I love you too, Lindsay. <laughs> So in any case, the paper that I am pulling this from, it was part of... Now um, you're super self-conscious about talking yeah, about it. Yeah, I know. It's, it's really... It's awful. <laughs> you're welcome. Thanks. Appreciate it. That's what I do. Yeah. Totally. You're used, you're used to it at this point. You're After five bright years. Red. It's fine. Um, it was a paper talking specifically about um, how immigration changes the landscape of a workforce. Mm. 
And so to the point of diversity, they were talking about how the difference between like a homogenous workforce and a diverse workforce um, is it's very, very stark. Um, They're talking about like, uh, I don't know, business words, like the amount of money that it makes, like the profits that they rake in or um, team efficiencies or um breadth of ideas, Mm. any of the standards that they are measured against, a diverse workforce is always better. Just like based on the research that I looked at, someone wants to come into the comments and debate me, like, great, I'll go with it. Um, But from the research that I looked at, Mm -hmm. all of the signs pointed to a diverse community is better. It makes people better. Forces you out of your comfort zone um, and just you trend towards this space of being more willing to work together and being able to find a common ground, which I think was really important. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, co-op. So while I was at Northeastern, I did a lot of work with Lead360. It was like the other group that I was a part of for as long as I was a part of Sojourn. We did a lot of like leadership conferences, lots of development, lots of talking about those hard topics, um, identities, unpacking all of that. And just sorry, as a clarifying injection here, um, didn't mean to cut you off. Well, I didn't mean to cut you off because I did cut you off. But um, (laughs) uh, Lead360 is a women's leadership organization, right? Um, It's... It's a leadership uh, program within the Center for Student Involvement, but there is a women's focus. Okay, so it's not specifically women. Because you were involved kind of specifically in the women's Yeah, for a couple of years. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, I was a leadership consultant, but I also participated in a bunch of their workshops and their programming and everything. Um, And I think that gave me a huge leg up in terms of, like, my understanding of leadership, teamwork. Because it's really meant to develop and empower future Leaders, leaders right? yeah. Okay. Just um, for the people who don't know what Lead 360 is. Yeah. Definitely. No, that's very helpful. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I just, like, yeah, I need to elaborate on that a little bit more. <laughs> no problem. Um, so I think because I spent a lot of time in that space and it's very justice oriented, very much um, focused on really unpacking identities and privileges and understanding how they intersect and interplay with each other and how to kind of mitigate some of those, um, effects of discrimination, exclusion, any of that. Mm -hmm. So going back to, I was on co-op and we were making this new presentation program that would be seen throughout the company. It's a global company. So it's going to a lot of people and it's geared towards the up and coming leaders of the company. And the old one was fine. It was just very flat, bland. And so I was tasked with helping to create a new program. And we worked with an outside company and they gave us the slides that would be in the video. And the first thing I noticed was that all of the images on all the slides, they were all white, all able-bodied, all about the same age. And I was like, that doesn't really reflect the reality of a company or society in general. So we had a lot of conversations talking about like, we want to see, you know, diverse ages, diverse ability, um, you know, people that aren't necessarily who you'd expect to put on like a front page of a booklet or something. Mm -hmm. So after a lot of back and forth with the design team, we were able to kind of 
have a wide breadth of representation, which was awesome because the company had a lot of different people working for it. And I wanted to see that represented in the, Mm -hmm. in the presentation, because if you're telling them you are a group of leaders that we see as embodying the company's values and, um, reflecting the company itself, you want to see yourself reflected in that. Um, You don't want it to just be like a random person. So it was, I think having a homogenous team working on that was the key to understanding like, ah, okay, that makes sense. Why it looked, they all looked the same. Right. It was all the same people. The image might've reflected the team that was working on it, but didn't reflect the actual company. Yeah. Our choices tell us more about who we are and less about what we're trying to create necessarily. I, uh, I really thought you were going to finish a Dumbledore quote right there. Oh, and I got really excited. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> it's, uh, our choices reflect who we are, Harry, far more than our abilities. Yes. That's and also <laughs> a very timely quote. So if anybody listening is wondering what it takes to be an ally, in the maybe not in the grand scheme of things because i think there's i mean there's a lot of answers to this question right like voting power and privilege protest all these things Mm -hmm. but it just in the day to day like yeah what what would you say to those people that are like i want to be supportive i don't know how to be supportive Um, Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> hmm. Um, I'll give you an example. Maybe okay, this will that might help. Be helpful. <laughs> um, somebody's friend comes out to them, mm-hmm. and let's. This is probably less and less common, but let's just say, this is maybe the first close friend mm-hmm. of theirs that has come out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, how do they be a good friend to that person? In my own opinion, I would say that in that moment of them coming out, definitely probably don't react by saying like, oh, I always knew. Um, <laughs> not helpful. Not not really helpful and kind of undermines the like importance of coming out. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, you know, it may change 50 years, 100 years from now. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's a nice sentiment. Mm-hmm. But I would say that... A, a better response would be something along the lines of, you know, thank you for trusting me with this. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't change who you are. It just, I mean, it's similar to what you said when I came out to you. It's just another facet of your personality that you decided to share with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, don't treat your friend any differently. Like, they're just the same person. Um, and I think caring for them, loving them, the same way as you always have is really important, but also maybe being a little aware of times where they might be having more of a struggle and being willing to kind of go a little further to support them in those moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. I, I mean, I feel like we could talk for hours mm-hmm. Warren. I know we just scratched the surface of this conversation. Um, so I have one final question. Great. For you. Cool. I, can tell you're nervous because of usually the last questions I ask are not your favorite questions. <laughs> uh, but this is not that. Zingers. <laughs> yeah, this is not not that. Um, one of 
Sojourn's values is this idea that fun, having fun is a spiritual act, uh, a way to worship yeah. God um, and to enjoy God's creation. So what is something that you do for fun? I love to paint. Mm. You know, not going to sell out the Louvre or anything, <laughs> but I love the kind of meditative way that it happens. Um, a lot of times I'll be painting and I won't move for hours. And some people are like, well, that's not fun. You don't move. <laughs> um, but I just find it enjoyable just to spend that time mixing the colors, putting something from my mind onto the canvas um, and just creating something that reflects, you know, what I see. Yeah. So painting yeah it's all yeah. good and fun <laughs> no that's great because i mean in some ways you're engaging in the very first thing that god did which was create you know that's a great way to put it Lindsay. <laughs> why thank you <laughs> yeah thank you so much for this conversation like i said i think we could talk for days about this <laughs> and, and i know we only scratched the surface and I know that um, in some ways this was superficial because there's no way that you can really get through everything. Get through everything in 45 minutes. Right. But um, yeah, I just appreciate you being willing to start this conversation mm -hmm. and engage however deep or surface we went. <laughs> um, we'll find out. <laughs> we will find out. Um, but yeah, and then hopefully that if anybody listening, if it triggers something for them that they want to learn more, you know, um, I'll make sure to put some notes mm -hmm. in the show notes and just resources and, and stuff like that. Um, I'll give you some books to read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To go, to go deeper or talk to people who are way more knowledgeable, <laughs> uh, about this topic. Um, and probably a lot more professional yeah. as well. <laughs> Just, Just going to go out on limb from the hair. <laughs> uh, but yes, thank you so much. And thank you for your willingness to be open and vulnerable yeah, about this. So, My pleasure. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Life in Progress. A big thank you to Lauren for joining me for this conversation. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you want any resources on this topic, there will be some suggestions in the show notes. As always, if you have any questions or thoughts, please reach out. Facebook, Instagram, Gmail, all at SojournBU. Also, feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes as that helps other people find this podcast as well. Thanks again, and we'll see you in two weeks.